Hey everyone, Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, the podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. In my day job, I'm the program coordinator at the H.R. McMillan Space Center. And you know what? I have never seen the Aurora Borealis, uh, and it has always been my dream. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to hear from a past science fair participant, Bruce Porter, who's from the Yukon in Whitehorse. Uh, hey, Bruce, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? So, Bruce, uh, first off, I need to know, have you ever seen the Aurora Borealis before? Countless times. Well, happens all the, during the winter. So. Oh, I'm so jealous. So it's just like a regular occurrence, you know. You just go outside and and you're you're almost are you bored of it? They're like you're like oh, like these green and red and purple beautiful lights dancing in the sky. Can you just stop already? Ah, uh, I'd say usually when we see it, we, we call people out to come have a look. Yeah, it's still special. <laughs> oh well, that's that's good to hear. Uh, as an astronomy educator, hopefully one day uh, I will get up there to see them. But let's get into your past as science fair projects. Um, I just read your paper. Uh, really cool stuff that connects you with, of course, the Yukon up there. Pristine waters, a pioneer project mm-hmm. in Yukon River microplastic research. Tell us about this project. So this was my first project looking at microplastics in the Yukon. And uh, one of my science fair friends that I've gone to all or all the science fairs with, uh, Gavin Howells, he kind of mentioned like, it'd be kind of interesting to look at microplastics. And then I kind of kind of kept thinking about that after the first science fair where I did a completely unrelated project. And then... Um, after that, I really got into it because a lot of people in Yukon think that we're a pristine place and the wilderness is great and untouched. And I thought, is that really the truth? Or are these tiny little pieces of plastic actually uh, invading the environment here? Now, is microplastics, is that like a topic that is talked a lot about up in the Yukon? Or is like, um, is this a new term that you came across over some research? Like, I'm curious where you first started learning about microplastics? Well, I'm actually the first person to do any sort of microplastic research in the Yukon. So I've kind of been uh, paving the path for that, I guess you could say. But um, it's been talked about. People have heard of it, but I don't think people really realize the relevance. And they kind of think it's another one of the down south issues, like a lot of things we think about here. Interesting. So when you're talking about it with people up there that may not be familiar with microplastics, how are you approaching that? How are you educating people as you are also doing your own research about it? Well, it's really interesting. And I made the connection to uh, the greenhouse gas emissions, because like that, microplastics are most of the time invisible. So it's kind of hard to educate people about something that they can't see. Like if there are big chunks of plastic floating down the river, people might be a bit more concerned. But I've actually found that the microplastics are more harmful, even though we can't see them. So it's kind of trying to figure out how to educate people and keep them interested, even though it's nothing that really impacts them directly. And because you use the analogy of climate change, you know, do you ever encounter roadblocks where because people can't see it and perhaps, you know, it's not impacting their daily lives that they can see, you know, do you have an issue when you're communicating this project that people 
maybe don't care? Is that, or what other kinds of roadblocks have you found in um, doing this research up there? Yeah, that's a good question. And a lot of people are open to learning about it. And I'm a youth, so people usually uh, uh, are fairly, <laughs> usually just smile and nod, even if they, they might not care. But I try to I try to speak of it in in a way that's going to impact them. Like my second project was uh, analyzing fish stomachs for microplastic. So I'm trying to get a little bit more at the human impact. Mm. And I did do tap water too um, in my first project, the pristine waters. So trying to get into a bit of more uh, what's going to impact people to try and get that engagement. Yeah. Well, I suppose you're not going to be able to use that uh, youth, youthful uh, excuse for very much longer. Uh, you've really got a short <laughs> amount of time where you can fall back on people will listen to you just because you're young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, I've actually, um, I feel that I've been part of uh, a few organizations that have actually started doing microplastic research here. And I'm kind of helping them along. So hopefully I can pass that off as I become older. Yeah. And hopefully as you go along with your career and if you continue, you know, working up there in the Yukon, maybe, you know, you will become a much more respected uh, voice up there because, you know, you've been doing it so long and they were like, oh yeah, this kid came around, you know, when he was young and now he's older now and he's still doing it. He must know what he's talking about, right? <laughs> Trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into your science fairs and your history with science fairs. What sparked your interest to get involved in science fairs and to get into that process yourself? Yeah, so it's been quite a few years. In 2018, I went to the first national science fair, and that's because I was in grade seven and our school just um, required us to do it as part of school. And that brought me to the regional fair. And then I was shocked to find out that I got to go to Ottawa for the National Fair, and I met Gavin, who came along with me for the following fairs, and after that first fair, I was hooked, and um, I think a lot of people that do science fair can mm. explain uh, the addiction. There's a lot of fun, and um, you don't want to miss out on it, so um, after that, I uh, started my first um microplastic project and then i was supposed to go to uh, edmonton in 2020 but of course like everything that got shut down um but luckily uh before mm -hmm. the pandemic in the fall of 2019 i got to go to abu dhabi for a non-competitive fair where i took uh, my pristine waters project and that was a really cool way to show the world what's happening in the yukon <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, I'd like to go back to something you said. You said that anyone that's done science fairs knows about the addiction of what it feels like to be in part of a science fair. Could you maybe elaborate that on a bit? Like, what is it about being involved in a science fair that you just find so invigorating and you say addicted that you want to do it more? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think part of it is that you're spending an intense week with 500 or so people and you're all competing for the same prize everyone wants to win that best project award but we're also after the judging we're all going and hanging out and exploring the town that we're in and making friends and it just it's like this balance i guess of competing and being good friends and spending a whole week together i don't know it's hard to explain <laughs> but but it's really fun 
Well, I mean, I think you also did explain it. I mean, when you said the words Abu Dhabi, I think, you know, that may have uh, sparked a few things. Like for me, I'm like, whoa, Abu Dhabi, that sounds amazing. <laughs> like, what was that like for you? Of course, you, the the White Horse, I've been to White Horse before. It's not a very big place. Abu Dhabi is nothing like White Horse, you know. So what was that experience like, you know, going to a very different place? Yeah, it was completely different, but there were... I believe 700 projects and even more people there. And it was the same community that I had at the National Science Fair, but it was just global. Um, And yeah, it was a lot different than, or a lot more, a lot different culture than what we're used to in the Yukon, but I felt like it was a really cool way to show this little part of Northern Canada to the rest of the world because there are people there from all over. And how did you find people from other parts of the world react to the project that you're doing and microplastics and the Yukon rivers? You know, Did you find that the reactions were different if people had never been up there and really understand what it was like up there? Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really understand how small of a place it is and and um yeah but a lot of people that were there obviously are all interested in science and i'm sure they've all heard of similar things and are interested in that so it was fairly easy to get across to them and uh explain that for sure so as you've gone through this process, being involved in science fairs, going to the science fairs, pitching your ideas, talking to a diverse you know amount of people, how does that process develop? You know, like your new projects and sort of like shape your idea. Uh, could you maybe explain sort of like what happens, you know, to your idea as you go along the science fair road? Yeah, like from the very beginning, my first uh, project that I took to the national fair, I was looking at if dogs have a right or left paw preference. And I didn't really know much about scientific writing or public speaking or talking to other scientists, but I ended up talking to people from Germany and Australia and all over the place. I'd be spending my lunches sitting in the library, calling people from all over the place. Half of them wouldn't pick up. Half of them would say, oh, I'm not really interested in helping you. (laughs) But that kind of really helped me learn and Now, through the process of going to multiple science fairs, I've realized how much of a scientific community there is right in Whitehorse, too, that is super excited to get onto this. And there's just people all across the country that are excited to help out uh, young scientists. Well, I can tell you something as someone that has uh, done some science communication as an adult, um, you're never going to have uh, that. You're never going to not have that feeling of someone not returning your phone call or returning your email. That is something (laughs) that is going to happen throughout your entire career. It's it'll, it'll just get more as your projects get bigger and bigger, but you know, you stick at it. And of course, like um, it sounds like you did and you uh, were passionate about your project and you knew that eventually, you know, uh, someone, someone is going to be interested. And that's kind of the thing. Um, people get busy, but you stick at it. Now, I'm curious where you're at with your current project. Um, could you maybe give us an update? Um, what uh, what have you been working on since? Just about a year ago, I presented my uh, second microplastic project that was called Microplastics in Lake Fishes of Southern Yukon and Northern Stikine, a baseline, and that was looking at Uh, just over 60 fish to see what was in their stomachs and if there was microplastic there. 
And I found that in about 30% of those, there was. And I got to, to the ticket to go to Edmonton. And then a couple of weeks later, they said, mm, maybe not. There's a pandemic. So <laughs> that got canceled. And I didn't really do yeah. much until yeah. about the fall of 2020. And then a local scientist that I've been working with who was interested in microplastics got me lined up with a job that was actually funded by the federal government. And I got to do 50 fish stomachs for her to see if there are microplastics in there, which was really cool to be able to transfer my science fair project to an actual paid job and kind of light the way of what a career could look like, I guess, in the future. And uh, the science fair has also kind of opened up a few new opportunities to me recently. I'm part of the Yukon's climate change panel, the youth climate change panel that just started. So I feel that my science fair background definitely encouraged me to mm. apply for that. So that's been really cool. And like I said earlier about how microplastic and greenhouse gases are similar, I think it'll be helpful, or I think I'll be I'll learn a lot and be able to contribute a lot to that with my background. And I have a couple more jobs lined up to help some of the locals begin microplastic research. And the city of Whitehorse is just about to get going on some in their systems. So yeah, I'll hopefully be part of that and share what I've learned and uh, learn some more. Absolutely. Well, I love the idea that you're part of a youth climate change, um, you know, council, you know, because if you look at, you know, even around the world with uh, the work that Greta Thunberg is doing, it almost seems like the youth are really leading the way when it comes to climate change advocacy. And uh, up there, you know, are you, you're finding fellow youth that are also involved uh, or interested in this uh, idea up there? Yeah, so it's actually run by the Yukon government, which is quite cool to see that they're interested and realize that the youth have a perspective on this too and that it's going to really impact us what happens with climate change. And there's lots of people up here that are excited about it and are excited to make some change. So that's been really cool. Speaking of change, you know, you already talked about the disappointment of not being able to go to Edmonton, you know, because of the pandemic. And of course, you know, I'm sure because you were very global uh, with your travels with the science fair, you know, how has this past year uh, been for you personally? Uh, how have you adapted? When things first started getting canceled, there was actually going to be a big sporting event held in Whitehorse um, in mid-March that got cancelled just a week before it was supposed to start. So that was a big punch in the stomach to a lot of us. And then the science fair got cancelled. And to be honest, I wasn't feeling very motivated to really do much at that point. But I feel like all of us have slowly mm. started to get used to it. And I'm excited to attend the virtual uh, Canada-wide science fair uh, coming up this year. So I guess my mindset's changed there. But for me personally, being in the Yukon, we've had less than 100 cases of the virus and life has been fairly normal. We've been able to do a lot of the things that we um, were doing before. Obviously, travel has been restricted and and some things might not be happening the same way, but it's definitely a privilege to be here. 
Well, I'm really excited to see you part of uh, of this year's as Science Fair, Bruce. I, I wish you luck. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Let's Innovate. Yeah, thank you. Super fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, you should uh, check out our website, sciencefairs.ca. Of course, we've got a fundraiser up there right now, sweating for science. I just bought some new running shoes. I'm going to be out there raising some funds for kids that uh, can't enter into science fairs and, of course, for our institution. Uh, you can follow us on our social media at Youth Innovation Showcase on Instagram, at Youth Innovation on Twitter. And I'm on there as well, at Michael John Unger, Instagram, Michael J. Unger on Twitter. Thank you so much, Bruce. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, let's innovate. <laughs>